0: Um, before I get into my message, today, I want to tell you something that happened this uh, past Friday. I got a a message from Mike over in Bulgaria, and uh, uh, he sends a voice message to me. We can send like twenty minute voice messages at a time. Of course, we can't talk back and forth like Ken can on the phone, but I can get a message from him, then I'll send him one. But he sent me a message, and he said, uh, "Well, brother Nick, I I, I hate to even." bring this up but he said we've got kind of a critical need here in the gypsy church and he said our sound system has gone completely out and we don't have a sound system anymore and and said of course we're dependent on that for our music for our keyboard everything so he said if uh, there's any way that anybody could help us get a a sound system just be so so helpful. And so I sent him a message back and said, Well, how much are you talking about? And he said, Well, we think we could get a one that would do for three hundred dollars, American dollars. I said, Well, I think we can do that. I said, I'll say something about it at church on Sunday. So that afternoon, our brother Richard and I were driving over to Fort Worth a second time to uh get our to get the baskets for our frisbee golf. And I got a phone call from a lady over in Midlothian that i never talked to, don't know. And she said, uh, Brother Nick said, I don't know if you remember me or not. I said, of course I remember you. And she said, uh, well, this morning as I was praying, the Lord just put Mike on my heart. And uh, said, uh, I just went, is he still in Bulgaria? And I told her what he was doing and what the ministry was, but I didn't mention the need. And she said, "Well, God put it on my heart to give, uh, to send a thousand dollars, to uh, to help them out with anything." <laughs> so that's very exciting, isn't it? And I, I then I told her, I said, "Well, it's just so amazing that you call today." Because I said just this morning I got a message from him saying there was a critical need that they have. So I just uh, it just always amazes me, but it also excites me the way God works and how when God knows there's a need here, He has a supply here, and He loves to bring those together. So so be praying for them. I'll send the money tomorrow. And uh, and uh, some of you asked uh, last week, you know, if there was if about how it was going over there, and the ministry is going great. And so just keep that in your prayers. All right, now I want you to open your Bibles today to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Up until this time, the first 10 chapters of Mark have covered three years of time. It's a three-year ministry of Jesus, his Galilean ministry, his Judean ministry, his ministry up in... in, uh, uh, Caesarea Philippi and then he come down through Perea and everything we've just gone through all that and then last week we saw that he was had crossed over Jordan he'd come into Jericho which is just northeast of Jerusalem and there uh, uh, he healed a blind man uh, and actually Luke tells there was two blind men but one of them was named Bartimaeus and that's the one that Mark focuses on and then Jesus has told his disciples repeatedly, three different times at least, that he's got to go to Jerusalem, and that he needs to be there by Passover, and uh, which is just right upon them, and that while he's there, he's going to be betrayed by one of them, and that he would be turned over to the Gentiles, to the Romans, and that he would be beaten, he'd be spat upon, and he would be killed, and then he would rise again three days later. So all that has gone on prior to chapter 11, the first 10 chapters. Now, from chapter 11 all the way through the rest of the gospel of Mark, we cover just one week. It's the last week in the life of Jesus. And so it begins, uh, Jesus has been down in Bethany, which is uh, just... uh, Not far from Jericho, it's where the Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. He's raised Lazarus from the dead, and uh, and so now he is getting ready to go into the city of Jerusalem. This will be the last week of his earthly life. He's uh, in in one week, less than a week, he will actually be crucified. He'll be uh, betrayed, arrested, and crucified. So, that's where we pick up this, just to kind of put all that in context. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat, untie it and bring it to me. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you untying this colt? Just say, the Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. They'll send it back here. And so they went away, and they found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they started untying it, untying it. And some of those standing there said to them, uh, what are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. They said, okay. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road. And others spread leafy branches, palm branches, that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, this is the story that we usually call what? Palm Sunday. Sometimes it's called the triumphal entry. And uh, it happened a week before all, almost a week before the crucifixion, there's some real question. When you put all the Gospels together, it appears that this may have happened on a Monday rather than a Sunday, but Palm Monday doesn't sound right, does it? So we'll just keep calling it Palm Sunday. And, uh, but it may have happened on a Monday. They kind of explain the time uh, uh, schedule in, in the Gospels. When you put all the Gospels together, seems like this may have happened on a Monday. And it's such an interesting story because it's uh it's like a a a coronation. It's like the people of Jerusalem and the disciples were were saying, "Here's our king, blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and uh and they they lay down palm branches and and uh and they put their cloaks down on the street, and and Jesus rides in on this colt, and uh, he's he comes into the city, and and here's here's the thoughts that I've had on this this week. This was a false coronation of a true king. Uh, Jesus, why why do you think Jesus arranged to come into Jerusalem? this way he by the way jesus is the king there's no doubt about it he is the king of kings and he should be honored as a king but this is not what he came to jerusalem for in fact he had clearly said that he's not coming to jerusalem for a crown but he's coming for a cross he's not coming for a coronation but for a crucifixion And he had just got through teaching his disciples, saying that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom, a ransom for many. And so Jesus knew what he was coming for. Why? I've wondered so often, why would he get this colt and sit on it and ride into the city Of Jerusalem and allow the people to honor him as if he were their king. Now, Jesus did have a coronation and will have a coronation. Actually, the coronation of Jesus in two phases. One of them, the Bible in the book of Hebrews tells us that after he ascended to heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and was extolled as the king. And we're told in Philippians chapter 2 that he ascended and sat down and God highly exalted him, gave him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, Lord, the name of Lord, that every knee would bow And every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there was a coronation. If we read over in Psalm 24, uh, that great uh, coronation psalm, Lift up your head, O ye gates, be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. And so... Jesus was coronated, but this was not his coronation. This was not the coronation. And there will be another coronation. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 15. In fact, I, I will let you put those on there too. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 15. John said, Then I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, not a colt now, a white horse, and the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. That's kingly crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which he, to strike down the nations... And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. Now, this is when Jesus comes back to be coronated as the king over all the earth. Now, when Jesus came the first time, he came to redeem, not to reign. He came to be the sacrifice, not reign. The sovereign king. He came to die, but when he comes back, he will come as the king of kings and lord of lords. And the Bible says that he will come the first time he came into Jerusalem seated on a colt, a little donkey on which no man had ever sat. Joe, is that hard? Have you ever ridden a donkey? Do you ever ride one that nobody had ever ridden before? Uh, <laughs> okay, I just wondered how that would be. You know, uh, it would seem to me like just to hop on a donkey that had never been ridden might be a little bit oh, they're, they're pretty well to to ride. are they okay. So they're kind of tame by by nature, I guess. Okay. I do know this. They tell me that when a king would come into town, a conquering king would come into town, if he came riding on a white horse, that meant he had come for war. And that's what it says will happen in Revelation 19, that when he comes to judge and to rule all the nations, he will come on a white horse. Horse as the king who is coming to make war. And we, by the way, we will come back with him. And the Bible says we'll be riding on horses. I've never been much of a horseman myself. Now, see, it won't be a problem for Joe. He'll be able to just hop on one and come right on. And I'm going to try to stay close to you. (laughs) Because the few times that I've ridden horses have not always gone so well my sister-in-law had a horse. She told me she said now ride this horse just want you to ride it around the the arena here. And she said now when when it gets back around it's going to try to go to the barn. But I said don't you let it go to the barn. Said you you pull you make it go around again. So I said all right. <laughs> and I made it fine around that first time I stayed on it. And then it started heading for the gate. And I'm saying, no, whoa, go, no, whatever. And that horse ran right to the fence at full speed and then just stopped. But I kept going. And I still had the reins in my hand. And I'm landed on the other side of the fence looking up at that horse and i guarantee you, it laughed at me <laughs> and she told me my sister-in-law said get back on it said he'll think you're afraid of it <laughs> i said i am afraid of it <laughs> <laughs> he'd be right so i didn't i didn't get back on it i said here you just you you have it i'll ride that horse down at the dime store that you put a quarter in you know feel pretty safe on it. So I don't know, I guess the Lord will give us uh, riding lessons or something before we come back. But the Bible says that that we'll come back on white horses too. So we're coming to rule and to reign with Christ. That's a glorious time of coronation. And and he will be acknowledged at that time as the king of all kings, the sovereign of the whole universe. He will be King Jesus, and that's a glorious day. But he did not come into Jerusalem riding on a white horse. He came riding on a colt and on a donkey. And uh, when a king came riding on a donkey, it meant he was coming to present himself in peace. He was coming not to conquer And to judge and to condemn, but he was coming to offer terms of peace. And God and Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey rather than a white stallion. And the people were somewhat confused. They thought, well, he's a prince of peace, coming as a king of peace. And they shouted out... The same thing that their great-great-grandparents had shouted back in 160 years before Christ when Judas Maccabeus came riding into Jerusalem on a white stallion. He had come for war. And they shouted at that time, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The word Hosanna means save now. Deliver us, save us now. The Maccabee brothers, one of the great stories, it's not in the Bible because it happened in that in-between time from Malachi to Matthew, but the Syrians had conquered the Jewish people and had them under absolute, total subjugation. And the Syrian general, the Syrian leader, was one of the cruelest men in history. His name was Antiochus Epiphanes. The word Epiphanes means brilliant, shining, glorious. So he did not have a self-image problem. He thought of himself. He gave himself that name. And he was. He hated the Jews. And he went into the temple. In Jerusalem. And he ordered. That a pig. Be killed. And the pig's blood. Poured out. On the altar. Now you know. For the Jews, that would be the height of insult. And there was a man, a priest named Mattathias who had five sons. And when Mattathias was told to kill this pig on the altar, he took the sword and instead he killed the men who were ordering him to kill the pig. And... That started what has come to be called the Maccabean revolt, and these five Maccabee brothers led a rebellion against the Syrians and and won they they conquered, it took a while, but they did it over about four years period of time. And when Judas Maccabeus rode into Jerusalem to present himself as the leader. Not the king, really, but the the leader of the Jews. He came in on a white horse. And all the people laid branches down in front of him. And they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. And this had to be in the minds of the people in Jesus' day. And even though he was coming in on a colt, they were so oppressed by the Romans. And they had such high hopes that the Messiah was going to come. And because of all the things that Jesus had been doing, healing people and raising the dead and calming storms, their hopes were very, very high. This is the one. And they shouted, save now, deliver us now. And they thought, this is our king. He's come to set us free. He's come to conquer the Romans. He's come to raise an army. But that was not what he came for. Not this time. Not at that time. He came to save, but not save from political tyranny, but from sin's tyranny. He came to set his people free from their sins not from slavery and subjugation and the people who were praising him today on this day in just five days they would be cursing him and when he was arrested and beaten and flogged and presented to the people and Pilate said Behold the man. Here's your king. The people cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And some of the very people who were saying, hail him, hail him, on Monday were saying, nail him, nail him, a few days later. So what do we make of it? Jesus came, presenting him presented himself to the people not as the conquering king but as the sacrificial lamb. This was Passover week. On just a few days from that very day, thousands of lambs all across Israel and there in Jerusalem would be slain and their blood would be poured out And not one of those lambs could remove one single sin for anybody. But at the same time that those lambs were being sacrificed, God's lamb was going to be nailed to a cross and His blood would be sufficient to save all who would trust in Him. What a a, a contrast. What a a beautiful picture. And then the Bible says that Jesus, when he got into Jerusalem, he went into the temple. It's interesting. It just says that he looked around. He just looked at everything. He had heard the applause of the people, and he went in and he saw all of the... uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm trying to say the messed upness <laughs> that's a good word of the religious system of, of Israel he saw the money changers buying and selling and trading coins and, and cheating people and abusing their power and turning the, the house of God, the house of prayer, into a, a den of thieves and robbers. And he just left. And you say, well, I thought he cleansed the temple. He's coming back to town the next day. But this time, he just comes in and he looks around. And then he leaves and goes back to Bethany, the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And I want to tell you, Jesus today, he hears all of the praises of the people who are recognizing him for my kind of king. And he says, no, that's not, that's not who I am. I haven't come to make your life comfortable I haven't come to make you rich. I haven't come to make you healthy. I haven't come to make you wealthy. I have come to make you clean. I've come to forgive your sin and to cleanse you. And he told his followers, he said, in fact, in this world, you'll have sorrow. You'll have tribulation. Do not... Follow me thinking that I'm going to make you prosperous. One of the curses of our day is this teaching called the prosperity gospel. It is so totally non-biblical. It only works in a prosperous land, by the way, and in a gullible land. But Jesus said, No, I have come to set you free to live and follow me. And I will come again. And when I come back, I won't be riding a colt the next time. I'll be riding the white stallion. And I, between this period of time and that period of time, he is calling people to bow their knee and their heart to the sovereign king and to say, save now. But not save from tyranny, but to save from sin. And he looks at us today and he says, "Uh, what do you expect from me? What kind of king do you think I am? And there are many today who say, well, I want you to be my kind of king. And Jesus looks around and he says, No, that's not what I've come for. I haven't come to meet all your expectations. I've come to meet all of the demands of the law and to forgive sin and to save people. Someday... He'll come again. And when he comes the last time, the next time, it will not be to offer salvation. It will come as the man of war to conquer and to declare himself the king of all kings. Here's the question that I just close with today. Is he your king now? He's my king. He's my king. I trust him. I love him. He is the king. And he's enthroned in my heart. Now, there will be a day when he will be enthroned over the whole earth. But for right now, he reigns in individual hearts as the sovereign Savior and Lord. Is he your savior today is he your king today i pray i pray for you that he is let's pray heavenly father i thank you for this uh wonderful story of the triumphal entry of jesus into jerusalem and the people who tried to force him to be the kind of king they wanted him to be And then for him to go in and look about all the religious rituals and all the religious ceremonies and all of the religious pretense and to just turn and walk away. I know that he looks today and he sees those who are trying to force him to be the kind of king they want him to be. And he also sees those who are abusing religious practices and principles. And I pray that you will help us to look a little further ahead in the story and see that what he came for was to die on a cross and to rise from the dead so that our sins could be forgiven and he could be king in our heart. And I look forward to the day when our King Jesus comes to reign and to rule over all that he's made. And I pray that you will help us look forward to that day with eager anticipation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook. Or visit our website www.bearcreekbaptist.org If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.